0: Hi, everybody. I'm Sess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Kate Christie. Kate is on a mission to change how people think about time. As one of Australia's leading time management experts, she knows just what it takes to get the most out of your day. With small business owners being amongst the most time-stressed in the country, I'm absolutely delighted to have Kate on the show. She'll explain her top tips on how to make the most of your time and how to invest in time wisely. Welcome, Kate. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. It's so lovely to be here with you, Ah, Thank you. I hope that you've had a wonderful break and excellent holiday season. And you're ready to get on with the year? I,
1: I have and I'm actually still kind of one foot in the holiday break camp and one foot in the I really need to start working camp. So I, I think I'm sort of oscillating between holiday and, and not. So it's it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and so any uh, New Year's resolutions for you? What do you think about them? Well, it's funny. I, I don't believe in new year's resolutions I I think that oftentimes with resolutions we're we're just setting ourselves up for failure because we have this moment in time where the clock kind of ticks over and all of a sudden you're in this new year and and oh I'm going to do all these things differently and within weeks if not days it all comes crumbling down and then we are full of recrimination and self loathing and annoyance at our inability to maintain our resolutions. So I think that I haven't set resolutions for years and years. I don't believe in them. I I'd rather go after goals and they can be set at any time of the year. You know, you don't have to wait for the clock to tick over to twelve oh one on New Year's Day in order to set goals for the year. So Particularly, you know, from a personal level, absolutely, but as small business owners, I think that we're much better using our time at this time of year not to set resolutions so much as to reflect on last year. You know, what did we learn from last year? What worked well? What didn't work well? What energised us? What didn't energise us? What what robbed us of energy? Um, where, Where did we love putting our time What products did we love working with? Which customers do we love working with? Which customers don't? You know, I think our time is much better spent retrospectively analysing all of those things so that we can then make some decisions about how we're going to work in business this year based on that knowledge about last year.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because people often like just think forward and forget about what's what they've just gone through mm. <laughs> when when what you're saying is yeah let's let, let's take a moment let's reflect let's go this was great this was terrible now this is how we can do things differently or this is what we want to plan for the next three months six months year Absolutely. ahead or whatever
1: yeah I think it's a just a better way of setting ourselves up for success and it's like anything else we do in business where we test and we measure and we analyze you know we have to look at our whole year holistically in the same way test measure measure analyze and then work out what we're going to change as a result or what we're going to do more of as a result of that analysis and you know, so that's what I sort of spend a bit of my time doing in January is a, a real sort of reflection on, on the previous mm. year.
0: And even February, March still doesn't matter what, what, as you said, what time of year it is, as long as you take that time to maybe set yourself some Absolutely. goals. Absolutely,
1: know, It could be a spring cleanse. It could be a jump into autumn. You know, it doesn't have to be right now. It's, It's any time where you have some time to stop, pause, have some brain space. You know, you can't sort of factor in and do this exercise in an hour between meetings on a Tuesday morning between 10 and 11 a.m. That's just not going to work. You need a really good, dedicated period of downtime um, to actually think this stuff through, which is often why this time of year is good because many of us do have that Christmas break. January is often quieter and that's why it's a good time to to reflect. Mm.
0: Um, You have your own business so obviously uh, you know the plights of a small business owner and there is that um, the fact that they are wearing a lot of hats and there's all the stats about how time poor small business owners are but so mm. as your your expertise is also um, productivity, you're like one of the most renowned productivity experts we've got in the whole country. What are some of your tips that business owners should be taking on board to free up some time so that they make sure that they do
1: what they need to do for the business but also what they love? Yeah, look, I, it's such an important question and and the answer is – really very much dependent on what stage of the business they're in I think if you're you've got listeners who are starting a new business this year or they're you know a couple of months into a new business then There is that acknowledgement, I think, that you have to have that you are going to be very much a jack of all trades right now. You are absolutely in the thick of it. And unless you have an enormous amount of money that you are able to invest in your own startup or you have angel investors or some sort of, you know, magic wand has been waved and you have a huge amount of money and time, um, which most of us don't, then there's that acknowledgement at the start of a sort of a startup business journey. You will be wearing all the hats, and that's okay. Uh, it's 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 almost even better because it's going to allow you to learn all the parts of your business, and and that's very critical. You know, you do need to know everything about your business. So I think it's okay to wear all those hats. And what I would be encouraging you to do is in your calendar, just make sure you're carving out time for yourself as well because you can't be working 24-7. As your business becomes a little bit more established or even your listeners who have very established businesses, then it becomes a different story. Uh, There comes a point in time where you cannot be the jack of all trades and you shouldn't be the jack of all trades because you're going to be holding your business back. So you know the, the the perfect and and often people will say to me well when when is the time you know when can I tell that it's time for me to outsource or time to, for me to get a staff member or time for me to free up my time? The time is usually just before you can afford it and and so take the risk, take the plunge, think about what can I outsource, what can I do myself?" Do I need a staff member? You know, it's the, the answer isn't always just bring in a, a staff member or an employee. You know, there's you could bring in, you can outsource, you can, you know, get a consultant, you can engage someone for a few hours um, on a sort of a contract basis. But what I would say is in order to work out what you should be doing and what you can outsource or give some hats away, um, make a list of all the things you're really good at in the business. And as the founder, it's usually the, the creation of the service or the stock or the product is the stuff you're very good at and the sales of that because it's your passion. So anything that's highly revenue-generating and is in your sweet spot of knowledge, you should retain. Uh, things that are not revenue-generating, so back-end kind of stuff, um, that's the stuff you should discard your hat and look for an expert who can do it for you. With that time you then free up, I don't want you to pour all of that time back into your business. This goes to your question, says of how do they find time? So without sourcing some of those hats, that time that you then free up, some of that should be carved away, a 20 foot Barrier should be put around it, and that's time that you spend for yourself, for your family, uh, for regenerating, for re-energizing, for creating, for for some strategic thinking. But you can't work all the time, and so it's that you know distinction between what do I need to do, and I would focus on revenue generation. What can I outsource? I'd focus on starting to get rid of the stuff at the back end.
0: Um, It's interesting, though, because, you know, you're going put some walls around it and make sure you carve out that time for yourself. But sometimes for a business owner, there can be these conflicting priorities where they go, (laughs) I have to, I want that time to, you know, spend with my family or, you know, go to the gym or or walk the dog, whatever the, the thing is that they want to do. But then they're like, I need that time to work more on the business to grow the business so I have the time to walk the dog and spend time with the family
1: (laughs) yeah it's a cycle you know it's crazy and and if you let it, it it's a vacuum that will suck you in and you'll you'll never come up for air so I would recommend that you you look at your calendar as a blank canvas and and this time of year this is the perfect time of year to do it because it's kind of the start of the new year or you could do it Um, the start of the financial year or whatever works best for you but I would look at your year on a plate so print out um, an annual calendar or go and buy one and the very first thing you should do is before you even sort of start thinking of here's all the time I need to dedicate to sales and product development and service development the very first thing you put in that annual calendar is your annual leave Um, because Firstly, you need to look after yourself. It's the whole kind of fit your own oxygen mask first analogy. But more importantly, or equally as important, is if we get stuck into our business year, time gets away from us and all of a sudden your calendar is going to be so full that when you look at it and you think, oh, I would love to take next month off or take two weeks off next month, you can't find two weeks in a row that are available because your calendar is so populated. So if you do it at this time of the year and the first thing you do is you put in your two or three or four weeks annual leave across the year, that becomes sacred space and that is locked out. Um, The second thing I would do then put in is I would, if you've got kids, I would mark um, school dates, school term dates, big school commitments. So if you've got older kids, I'd be putting their exams in at the end of the year so that you have those days carved out in case they need you. Um, the third thing that I would then put in is I would put in um, and you can colour code all this. You know, I I use green for um, annual leave. Um, I use yellow for family commitments. The next colour I would put in would be a nice bright red and I block in strategy days, thinking days or half days and I might do two or three a quarter but I put them in as the third thing I populate my calendar with so that, you know, If nothing else, I know I've got annual leave locked away, I've got the big kid commitments locked in, and I've got some strategy thinking days locked in. And then it's kind of, well, free for all in terms of, you know, meetings and and work commitments and obligations, but everything works around what's already locked into that calendar. And from there, it's just a matter of mind management, It's, it's It's being consistent and being um, committed, I guess, to the calendar and not moving those things and not saying, oh, well, I've suddenly got this opportunity, so I'm going to get rid of those two weeks I'd planned for the family holiday. No, no, you have to be consistent. And yes, you may miss out on some work or better still, you get to negotiate with your um, customers to say, I can't do it for those two weeks because we're on a family holiday, but could I do it the two weeks after? Um, so you have to, I guess, have a commitment to your calendar and and lock those things. They're in concrete. They don't move. And then that way you're guaranteed of downtime. You're guaranteed of thinking time. You're guaranteed of family time. And and when all the dust settles, those are the more important things.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree. But it also seems like a great way to minimise any um, impact that, that interruptions or, or business challenges might have because you, you've you carved out that time already on your calendar and you know the time that you've got to work with.
1: That's it. And, and there's still a lot of free space in your calendar once you've locked those things away. You've got a lot of time to play with and a lot of things that you can move around. But if you don't make a commitment to sort of self-care, family time, strategic thinking time for your business then you're always going to be working at pace you're always going to be chasing your tail you're going to be wearing all those hats and you're going to be carrying this enormous guilt that you're not spending time with your kids or your family or your friends because you're always working well if you do it this way and you flip it around and you put those personal you know commitments into your calendar first then um you know you're removing that that opportunity for guilt you're you're actually giving yourself permission to have a better balance
0: I also love that idea of of putting in time for strategic thinking because I think a lot of business owners are so caught up in the day-to-day of the business that they don't give themselves time to do that strategic piece
1: yeah yeah absolutely it becomes you know it's it's something I hear my clients say all the time you know I'm I'm constantly working in my business, I I need time to work on my business. Well, you need to have the discipline to carve that time out, lock it in, and then it's not negotiable. And then if you have a team, make sure it's locked in those those times are locked into their calendar as well. So it becomes a a team strategy day or a team half strategy day, so that you're, you know, you're all working on the business together. Um, But it's, it just means that, you're constantly having refresher periods of time where you're working on the business. And I would definitely be doing that at least quarterly. Um, That way you can sort of forward plan quarter by quarter and, um, you know, your business is then always evolving and growing. Mm.
0: And when you're speaking to your clients, are there specific, um, I don't know, things that suck their time? I mean, I know there's always the complaint about email, 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 like sucking the life out of people's days. Are there other things that are are typical time thieves?
1: Look, email's absolutely a huge one. Um, The second biggest or equally biggest would be meetings, Um, whether it's meetings with customers, meetings with potential customers, meetings with suppliers, meetings with staff. Um, You know, the... Meetings is is a huge impost of people's time. Um, between meetings and emails, um, the current research shows that we're losing two full days a week just reading and responding to emails, and another day, depending on your, you know, how meeting heavy your business is, at least a day a week um, just to meetings. And and most of your listeners would probably listen to this and think, God, I'm losing five days a week to meetings. So. Um, They're the the big ones. The other one um, is interruptions, allowing interruptions from, you know, customers, from staff, constantly being interrupted, you know, with the the call going from, you know, suppliers, not having the ability to put your head down and actually get any flow work done because the phone's constantly going and you're constantly being interrupted um, that that's a huge one um, and, and interruptions cost us significantly every single time we're interrupted our productivity goes down by 40 percent and it takes us about 23 minutes to get back into flow from the interruption so if you're constantly mm. being interrupted during the day um, and the easiest way to, to measure the amount of interruptions is just keep a little spreadsheet next to you for two hours and, and just mark down every single time you're interrupted and who interrupted you. And, you know, just do a little bit of data capturing and, and the results will be really alarming. and And from that, extrapolate that it took you 23 minutes then to get back into flow. But if you're being interrupted every 10 or 15 minutes, you're not getting any work done because you're never getting back into flow. Mm. (laughs) It sounds nightmare world. (laughs) It is, but that's kind of our world. That's everyone's world. Unless you have that discipline and you carve off that time where people can't interrupt you where you're not having meetings where you're not checking your emails, where you're actually able to put your head down and work for sort of 45 minutes without interruption, then you are not getting any work done, which is why, people start work really early and it's why they work really, really late because they're not interrupted. You know, how many times have you heard someone saying, you know, I love it when I get to work at six because there's no one there to interrupt me. Or I love it, you know, when everyone goes home from work or when the shop closes or when, you know, I can switch off or I go back and do all my work at eight o'clock between eight and midnight because you know, get so much done. Well, you're getting so much done because there's no one there to interrupt you. You're staying out of your emails that are constantly pinging and you, you don't have meetings at that time of night. So they're the three things you need discipline around. And if you can get discipline around those, um, you will free up a, a phenomenal amount of your time. Kate, we've just got to take a,
0: a little break, uh, but we'll be back with more on that subject of dealing with those interruptions in just a minute. Terrific. Thanks for joining us, Kate. Welcome back. Now, I I would like to jump back into what we were just talking about before the break, um, which is managing those, those time interruptions. How can business owners deal with them better what can we do how can we make a strategy around it to ensure that you know we aren't getting tapped on the shoulder every five minutes or getting calls from clients that are constantly interrupting our flow
1: yeah so look there's a couple of sort of very simple strategies and it's obviously going to be very dependent on the type of business each listener is in you know if your if your business is a a bricks and mortar shop and you are in the shop and customers are coming in then you know you, you have to um, my advice would be slightly different to if you're running a business where you're working from an office at home and you're sitting at, in front of a desktop but generally speaking um, depending on the nature of your business what you need to do is you need to carve out interruption free time um, the the best time to do that is in the morning so the majority of us are morning people or we have our uh, best creativity, our best strategic brain, our best amount of energy and enthusiasm in the mornings. So try and structure your working day um, with tasks in the morning that are revenue generating type tasks. So Um, selling to your clients, delivering to your clients, creating new products or services, um, relationship management, networking, stakeholder engagement, marketing. So anything that's revenue generating, you want to put into that sort of morning period of time, because that's when we're at our best. Um, Then if you have a team, speak to the team about, you know, saying, look, from 8am until 11am we're going to work without interrupting each other so if you have any questions for me or for each other just take a note of them on a parking list or you know send an email but we're all going to have our email alerts off Um, but you know record it in some way but do not actively physically interrupt each other from say 8 till 11 or 8 till 10 or however long you think your business can tolerate it and in that time we're going to work on our hardest most important revenue generating task and we're going to give ourselves 45 minutes and we're just going to put our heads down bums up and and get it done. Um, set timers so just buy a little egg timer and um, set the timer for 45 minutes and then challenge yourself to stay in flow for that period of time. At the end of that 45 minutes or the you know have a five10 minute break, and then try, if, if your business is the type that allows it, go into your second highest value task and sort of repeat that until lunchtime. If you're in a bricks and mortar type business and you're actually front of house, then customers coming in are not interruptions. Customers coming in are your highest value tasks because they're revenue generating. And so you you serve them with a smile and you generate as many sales as you can knowing that when you have non-customer facing time, if there's other high value tasks that are revenue generating that you need to do, so you might have, you know, two hours where you're not in the shop or you might have someone come in and run the shop for you for two hours or whatever the case may be, that's when you would then set your little egg timer and focus on doing that task without interruption. Um, So, you know, if you've got a team, communicate with them why you're doing this. It's it's because we will get more done, we will get into flow, we will have the ability to leave work and not have to work on work tonight if we work in this way. Um, so, you know, communicate it that way. If you're a sole operator and you're, say, working at your desk um, and you're, you're wanting to get that heavy, high-value work done, Put your phone on silent. Put an out of office message on your emails, um, and and the the message can be as simple as you know, on your on your emails. I've ste- I've stepped away from the desk at the moment, or I'm with a customer. I will be able to respond to you. I check my emails three times a day, and I you can expect me to respond to you by close of business today. So you're not going to annoy anyone or piss anyone off. You, they know that you're coming back to them. Have your phone on silent for that forty five minutes. And, and your phone message should be something like, hey, you've reached Kate, I can't take your call at the moment, but please send me a text message telling me exactly how I can help you and I will get back to you today. So again, you're not going to lose customers, you're not going to lose business, you're not going to piss anyone off because you're being really clear in your communication as to when you are going to be available and get back to them. But what you're also doing is you're setting some boundaries that are allowing you to actually get intense flow work done in a way that you're not inviting or allowing interruptions Hmm.
0: um so a couple of things i'd like to unpack from what you were just saying the first thing is about um most of us being morning people how do you know if you're a morning person and and that's the best time for you to get stuff done what if and if everyone in your team is a morning person and you're one of those people that's a night owl? well then how do you balance that so you can work well
1: as a team and yeah it, it's so challenging <laughs> it really is and I I acknowledge it um the, the research sort of does you know it's it's interesting I've delved into this a fair bit you know we do have night hours and there are morning people the majority of people according to research the majority of people tend to be morning people so I would start from that premise um In terms of answering your question of how do you know, it's a really interesting one because for ages and ages and ages, I thought I was kind of nothing. (laughs) I I didn't like getting up in the morning and I didn't like, I, I loved going to bed early. So I sort of thought, well, I'm not a morning person or a night owl. But what I did was I tweaked some habits because I really wanted to sort of explore this because it's something that comes up with my customers all the time and my clients all the time. So I thought I'm actually going to challenge myself to become a morning person. Now, I don't know what the scientific literature on all of this says, but I actually set out with absolute determination to make myself a morning person. (laughs) So what I did was I I didn't set the alarm because I I hate waking up to an alarm and I hate the thought of making myself get up really early. So what I did instead was I had a pretty firm um, deadline in terms of when I had to be in bed by. So I I sort of set this rule for myself that I had to be in bed by about 9pm and it's sort of gotten it it's worked its way backwards. It's sort of around 8:30 these days, but I'm usually <laughs> asleep by nine. and I then allow myself to wake naturally, which occurs any time between say 5:30 and 6:30. If it's 5:30-ish, I'm just like, what the hell?" And I snooze and then until 6:30 and then wake up. If it's 6:30, I think, okay well that's pretty reasonable. Then I get up and the first thing I do is I go for a swim. So I've got, in the last two years, I've got into making myself this habit, which has now become, it's an absolute habit and it's I'm addicted. I go for an early morning swim and I come back and I have this routine and I get stuck into work and I get so much done, sis, and I work like a bloody powerhouse until about 1 p.m. Um, and I take breaks, 45 minutes break, 45 minutes break, work like a powerhouse until 1pm and then in the afternoons I do the lower value tasks because I'm tired by then and I I do the stuff that's not revenue generating, it's, it is process driven, it's easy. But I think my learnings from that are go to bed early, um, wake up naturally and then have a really great morning routine that kind of wakes you up and gives you joy and energy I get sunlight early, I'm exercising, I'm swimming, which I can assure you, especially in the middle of winter without a wetsuit, completely wakes me up. Yeah. Um, I come home and I make myself a smoothie in summer or a hot chocolate in winter. I sit down at my desk and I absolutely get shit done. And so I don't know whether I was always a morning person. And I've just kind of tapped into it, you know, in my 50s or whether I've made myself be it. But the routine and that that early morning drive for me is working um i've now experimented it with a couple of clients so i had a couple of clients who absolutely fundamentally were convinced that they were night owls and i challenged them to you know do what i was doing from and and to force themselves to do this morning thing to do some exercise, to actually force themselves. And within a month they, it's, I've done it with three people so far, and within a month all three of them were just like, holy hell, I just, it's changed my life. I can't believe it. I must be a morning person. And, and I think, um, you know, we convince ourselves that we're one or the other and it's really just routine and habit. And I think that if you can force yourself to change your routine and force yourself to adopt new habits, Then you can adopt very new ways of working. Do you think that exercise is probably one of the best morning rituals? Oh, absolutely. I I really do. And it's that um, commitment to it. You know, there's, you know, I reckon of the seven mornings a week that I swim, there'd be five of them where I've grown and think, oh, Christ, I can't do a swim today because it's raining or it's windy or it's, you know, whatever. But I roll out of bed and I put my, swimmers on and off i go and it's the commitment it's the self discipline um and the exercise it just gets everything moving and going and and it wakes me up and i'm inspired and ready to go so you know i'll go for a walk or you know do some yoga or but in some way force yourself out of that bed and get moving and get energised and it just sets you up for a magnificent, you know, morning of work. Mm.
0: I think that's a fantastic idea. I think we all need to probably spend a little bit of time on self-care in the morning and those morning rituals are a great way
1: to do that. They are. It's, it's just a really beautiful way to start the day.
0: Now, the other thing I wanted to unpack is, Um, Obviously, a lot of our listeners are sole traders, um, solo operators, often in like, you know, those professional services, and they might be spending a lot of time working alone from home. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and I think all of us through the pandemic probably have realised the number of distractions that we can get working from home. So what would Mm. be some suggestions you would have for Anyone who's working from home that might be getting a bit distracted and finding their time getting sucked away by those distractions
1: yeah yeah look i i you know you're hundred percent right with you know everything that happened with the pandemic and now this you know real movement towards a hybrid working environment and working away from the office so i I think it's again it's about having boundaries and about having discipline, you know if you've got. Try and and find a space in in your your home which becomes an office type space or an office cupboard, or whether you work in your bedroom and you shut your door. Um, It's about communicating really clearly to the people you live with. You know, please don't interrupt me um, for the next half hour because I'm working on something, or I'm going to be in a meeting. Um, You know, at the start of the pandemic, I would just put notes on on the door saying don't knock I'm, I'm, I'm on a video call or you know I, I, used to, I used to say to my kids you know I you know don't come out I'm, I'm on a video call I remember one one day really early in the pandemic and my teenage son came out and walked the full breadth of the zoom call in his boxer shorts and <laughs> and and i said I, I sort of motioned to him i said i, I want to call and he he hit the ground and and kamikaze kind of crawled across the carpet all of which we could see it was absolutely hilarious so look that's going to happen um but just to have those messages um communicate clearly if you've got little kids it's different you're going to have to try and work in 20 minute bursts 45 minutes is just too long if you've you you're juggling kids and a work call so um, you know, I I think communication with the people that you're on the call with is always really good. Look, I've got my little kids at home, they're watching play school, but they may come and sit on my lap. Everyone's used to it, everyone knows, everyone's accepting of it. Just communicate it at the start. Um, in terms of non, you know, if, if they're not sort of customer-facing type tasks, um, you know, set your little kids up next to you. Um, you know, at the kitchen table and you work and they do their play-doh or their colouring. And, and have you know set them a task you know we're going to set the oven timer for, for 25 minutes and if you can draw for 25 minutes without interrupting daddy or without interrupting mummy then we're going to have 20 minutes where we go and play in the backyard you know things like that where you just um, you work around the people that you, you you're trying to work with you communicate and you come up with strategies that are going to work for them and work for you Mm. it's also kind of
0: about um identifying what you really need to achieve from your day as well
1: very much so absolutely so at the start of the week you know make a master to-do list for your week of your most important big rocks that you have to to um to meet during the week um Sunday night pick the two most important things you have to get done on Monday and then lock them into your calendar as a deadline in the morning because most of us again are morning people Um, you know set them up as anywhere between 25 minutes and 45 minute length tasks lock them in and they're a commitment and and turn up to those commitments in the same way as you would turn up to a doctor's appointment Um, it's it's a a lot of this is you know self-discipline but you know, don't have a to-do list and think I'm going to get 100 things done today because it's just not going to happen. So just pick two things. These are the two highest value revenue generating tasks I must get done today. And if you have that mindset and you get through a week that way, you've done your 10 most important high value revenue generating tasks for the week. That's magnificent, you know. So just be realistic in the goals that you're setting. Yeah, I
0: I think a, a thing that you said there as well, like don't do set you know, a hundred things, set two things. And um, what's that Parkinson's law, is it? You know,
1: like the tasks will expand to fit the time that you give it. <laughs> so. Yeah, Parkinson's law is all around deadlines. That's why you lock these things into your calendar. Parkinson's law is that a task will expand to meet the deadline, you know, that to, to, to meet the deadline you've created. So if you don't have a deadline, you're not going to get the task done. Um, if you've got a hundred things, That have the deadline today, well, that's just not going to happen because you don't have 100 hours in your day. So just pick two things, give them a hard deadline, lock them into your calendar, turn up and get them done. Mm.
0: And what about multitasking? Because we all think we're great at multitasking, but frankly, most of us aren't. (laughs) And it's probably not a good idea anyway.
1: Look, none of us are, to be honest. Well, look, that's not true about 2% of the world's population can effectively multitask, 2%. Um, They're so rare, they're called supertaskers. The rest of us, mere mortals, cannot multitask. Um, The only solution from a multitasking perspective is just to do one task at a time. When we multitask, we're Forcing our brain or, or if we quickly switch tasks, you know, from a ta- a task A to B back to A back to B on to C and we have multiple tabs open because we think we're going to get more done if we do 10 things at once, our productivity goes down by up to 40%. So that goes for every time you are interrupted your multitasking, every time your eye gets drawn to an email popping into your inbox in the corner of your screen. um, Toggling between different tabs, having two or three computers open on on your on your desk, um, you know that all of that. Taking a call while you're in a meeting, all of those are examples of multitasking. And every time we do that, our productivity goes down by up to forty percent. Um, it's it's it doesn't work. Stop doing it. <laughs> That's you know you've got to lock one thing, one task into your calendar for that forty five minute period and just do it. That then sort of fits in nicely with the concept of batching where batch like tasks together. So rather than sending five invoices today, one now and one in two hours time and one in three hours time and two when you go to bed, batch in 45 minutes on a Wednesday afternoon or whenever it is to do all of your invoicing for the week. Um, because we don't want to be switching quickly between lots of little tasks. We want to group small, like tasks together and do them in one block of time to reduce that risk of multitasking.
0: Mm. Uh, and uh, what about eat the frog? You know how they say, do the worst thing
1: first? No? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. You've got to love a, a dirty, ugly, hairy frog. Um if it's look I think there's two options to this one if there's something that's been on your to-do list for a long time because it's a frog and you don't want to face it there's two options either you eat it and you make it the first task tomorrow morning and you just get it done or you take it off your to-do list and stop agonizing over it but make a choice and just get it done Um, it's about starting. Once you start the task and you get a bit of momentum, you'll realise that it was a lot easier than you actually thought it was going to be. If you genuinely don't want to eat the frog, take it off your list (laughs) and move on because it's just never going to get done. (laughs) Don't saute it with
0: garlic. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, And I know we mentioned interruptions, but there there also is... um, Time should be set aside to take breaks. Yeah.
1: Time should be set aside for breaks. Yeah. Did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Look, you want to. Um, most people can work. You know, the Pomodoro technique sort of gets you to work for around twenty-five minutes before you um, switch task or do something differently. I think it really depends on the the person. Um, you can very easily measure this. You know, set a time, start yourself on a task, set a timer. Um, Just set your your stopwatch on your phone um, and work until you start to become distracted and, you know, oh, there's a butterfly or there's a bird or I wonder if the postman's coming. You know, as soon as those thoughts start popping into your head, have a look at the timer. Um, If you can get to sort of 20, 25 minutes, it's a great start. My experience is that most of my clients that I work with can work for around 40 to 45 minutes in flow before they really need a break so somewhere between that 25 and 45 minute mark is most people's sweet spot um experiment work out what your sweet spot is and then work to it um and then break it up with a five to ten minute break between each task so you want your day structured as a series of sort of 100 meter sprints your day is not a marathon you want a sprint break sprint break sprint break Mm. But speaking of marathons and
0: going back to our very first um, bit of discussion where we were talking about the resolutions and um, your preference for setting goals instead, should we also be thinking about not just our goals for the next few months, but should we be thinking also big picture? What, what's the goal for 10 years' time? What, where do we see ourselves in the future?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I love that question and, and that's something that I spend, you know, a lot of time, a few times a year doing this. Um, I Every October I've got, um, you know, I'm a solopreneur, I've got an accountability group, there's four of us. Um, every October we get together um, for a couple of days and we carve that time into our calendars in January to say October, November, here are the three or four days we're working together And they're full strategy days where the four of us have a good couple of hours each where we dissect our business to the others and bounce ideas off the others, um, ask for input, ask for advice, ask for introductions, ask for connections. And we rotate amongst the four of us and make sure we all get done. We come out with a full plan for the following year. Um, And then I revisit that in January um, just to make sure that I'm working through everything that I set myself up for. Um, and I have, From that October session, I create a list of actionable items that I have to address and I break it down on a month-by-month basis. So by the time I get to around April, I've pretty much implemented everything I said I was going to and so I then revisit it. Um, I then meet with those four people monthly um, for an hour um, one month for four hours the alternate month and we keep each other accountable and we implement against those, those annual goals, those five-year goals, those 10-year goals.
0: Um, I wouldn't mind talking about that a little bit more because you, you mentioned your accountability partners and I think a, a lot of people are probably familiar with, um, you know, having a mentor but an accountability partner is something that's a bit different. Yeah, it is. It's
1: very, very different. We're we're all equals. Um, we are, you know, we've built a relationship over probably six years. Um, so we trust each other implicitly. We share a lot of information about our business that we would only normally share with, say, our accountants and our lawyers. Um, we have, you know, there were sort of rules to the game in terms of trust but also in terms of, you know, we give open feedback um, honestly and, you know, we we are mindful of each other's feelings, of course. No one's ever kind of cruel or brutal but we do have a rule that we want honest feedback. So there's been plenty of times where, you know, I've said, I've, I've, you know, I'm going to do X or I'm going to launch product A and I explain it to them. And and then, you know, they've said to me, no, we think that's a bad idea. It's off brand. Um, It's not going to be good for these reasons or your pricing's wrong or your niche customers wrong. And we give very frank feedback. And um, it's like having a, an advisory board really. Um, You know, it's your, your board of trusted advisors that you can tell and share anything with. And you know, you're going to get really honest feedback. Now, we don't always take that feedback on I might say well thank you so much for the feedback but I'm I've actually I'm committing to doing this and and so you you may or may not do it but um I know that they have my back I have their back um we've obviously all become very very close friends so it becomes now a more of a personal relationship where we have each other's backs and we're as friends but um it's completely different to having a mentor um it's it's a board of advisors, and as a solopreneur, it's it's critical. I mean, they they keep me going. They they are the first people I turn to if I need help. They're the first people I turn to when I want to celebrate. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a fantastic um, idea. I think it's something that more business business owners should adopt. Just uh, as you say, having someone that keeps you accountable that can also give you sound advice, it's very valuable.
1: It is. It's it's really critical and it's something I would strongly advise everyone listening to this podcast to do. If you haven't got it, you know, go and try and create it. And, you know, obviously you want um, people in your accountability group who are in a non-compete capacity um, but who understand the nature of your business, um, who you you like and respect, that you have a values alignment that they can commit the time that you all want to commit um, to the relationship and and establish some rules around how you're going to work together Um, and then, you know, honour and respect their time commitment and and that relationship and and the value you will gain from it is, um, you know, you you just won't believe the value. You know, I've launched products that I had not even considered launching based on recommendation and advice from my accountability group, where they said, go and do this. And I said, no, no, I don't want to do that. And they said, go and do it. And so I committed to it. And I did it. And, you know, the they've been some of the most successful products I've launched. I just hadn't seen them. You know, they were staring me in the face. And it took the accountability group to say, why aren't you? And, and I had no reason for it. And um, it's been some of the most successful stuff I've done. And I'm sure they've saved me from some of the most fateful stuff that I could have done.
0: <laughs> and again, it was about you carving out that time and being able to have the time to do that. And-
1: oh, absolutely. That was part of my January. I've, I, I took responsibility for setting up this year's meeting. So I've, um, I've set it all up it's in, in the four of our calendars now. Every single month for that hour, every alternate month for four hours, October for November we're doing it this year for a couple of days Mm -hmm. and it's it's locked away it's sacred and we don't we don't mess with that.
0: So just to finish up if I could perhaps pick your brain on your number one tip I know that's a terrible thing to say to someone but (laughs) your number one tip for small business owners that want to be more productive and get more out of their day.
1: I think be really curious Um, don't stop learning Read the literature about productivity, you know, tap into experts, get yourself a coach, talk to your friends, what's working for them, what's not working for them. Um, Don't assume that your your lot is your lot because it's always been this way. Um, Don't assume that you're not a morning person. Be curious, be constantly curious in everything you do in your business, including in terms of productivity. Try new stuff. And um, and have that passion for using your time in the best possible ways you can. You know, think about your time the way you think about your money. It's an enormously precious, very limited resource that you have to invest for the greatest possible return. And if you start thinking about it as time investment rather than time management, then you're on, you're on the road to success. <sighs> Great advice, Kate Christie. Thank you so much
0: for being on the show today. My absolute pleasure. I
1: always love
0: talking to you, sis. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day.